1: Well hello everyone and welcome to another edition of a -A Pack-A-Day podcast. It's Monday, April the 1st. I am your host, I am Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me this evening is somebody that you guys definitely know, uh, very important in terms of the history of the Green Bay Packers uh, from Southern Mississippi, number four, Brett Favre. Brett, how are we doing tonight? I'm just kidding. That is my attempt at a lame April Fool's joke. So if you rolled your eyes in disgust, uh, that is exactly what I was hoping for. If you hate me now uh, because of that, I completely understand as well. Uh, But it is Monday. I'm sitting here on a Sunday night. The final four has been set. Um, Texas Tech, Virginia, Auburn, and Michigan State just took down Duke. In one of the best Elite Eight uh, games I've ever seen, I am of the unpopular opinion that the NCAA tournament is better when favorites advance, top seeds, uh, because you get games like this one. Now, you can get competitive games, in my opinion, uh, with the lower seeds like Loyola, for example, Uh, but I just think the quality of play isn't there. (laughs) Salute, hats off to Zion Williamson, future... A tight end of the Green Bay Packers next season uh, since they're making football comparisons for him. Uh, Great athlete, one of the best players Uh, I've seen college basketball in recent memory. But he is done. They are moving on. Uh, The GOAT, quote-unquote, Mike Krzyzewski, I'm a little bullish on that, goes down before the Final Four again uh, with probably the best team he's had since his Final Four team. So that is – or excuse me, his national championship team that – stole a championship from the Wisconsin Badgers in 2015, as we know all too well. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Obviously, uh, too much heartbreak and pain comes out of that. But this is a football show. We are here to talk Packers. And I'm going to go over a few things with you tonight. I'm filling in for Andy Herman. He traded with me last night. So I am appreciative of that. Thank you, Andy, very much. And I'm actually going to discuss a few things that he helped share today. There were some interesting it's, it's a rumor page. I definitely don't think that you can put a ton of stock into it. Uh, it's, it's far from Adam Schefter saying that you know the Jaguars have made Jalen Ramsey available or you know just whatever the whatever it is but it was Jalen Ramsey specifically um, in that article and it, it mentions Green Bay uh, potentially looking to make a move for him. And it is a, it says in there that the Packers could offer the 12th overall pick for Jalen Ramsey. And to that, um, Andy said, would you, you know, would you be willing to offer the 12th overall pick for uh, Jalen Ramsey? And my answer to that question is absolutely. Yes, I would. Um, and I, I love this draft class. I've spent a lot of time on it this year. I'm certainly, uh big on having prospects. If the Packers only had one first round pick, maybe my answer would be a little different uh in this case, but they do have two first round picks and that's something you have to keep in mind. Uh and Jalen Ramsey is a Pro Bowl all pro level player and in the conversation, I don't know if he is, but he's in the conversation for best cornerback in all of football. Now there are some concerns Uh, with the way he handled himself last season as the Jaguars were losing a lot of games and his his antics, if you will, were not exactly uh, the greatest in terms of being a team leader, those sorts of things. Those are things that the Packers, I imagine, would vet if this conversation were to ever take place. But to stay in this conversation, let's just say hypothetically that conversation has taken place and i just use the word conversation quite a bit so i'm going to try and stop for the remainder of this show um in this case they would be discussing you know giving up a rookie player on a rookie contract obviously with the 12th overall pick it's possible you know that's any of the names we mentioned brian burns tj hawkinson noah Fant, montez sweat ed oliver name your guy that's cool um Jalen Ramsey is a young cornerback in his prime and hasn't been paid yet so eventually you'll have to consider that you would probably have to give him that contract. Uh, and I know some people say, "Well, you know, they just spent a lot they've spent a lot of draft capital on the you know, on the cornerback position on, in the secondary. They've spent a lot of a lot of, you know, draft capital on that spot." Okay, I understand that. However, uh, Kevin King has, has potential. I don't think that anybody that has followed the Packers will question that. Uh, I think that you know when he's been healthy, he's been pretty good. The problem is when he's been healthy, those moments are very few and far between. And now I'm not saying that because I hate conver- having conversations, and I just used that word again, discussions. Having discussions about players that have struggled with injuries because oftentimes, one – To some degree, in my opinion, uh, injuries, a lot of it is just kind of lucky, luck of the draw. Um, You know, you don't get caught in those awkward positions or just anything like that. That's one reason. Two, it almost feels like we're blaming the player for being injured as if he was trying to get hurt. Now, I understand being frustrated that one of your favorite team's better players is hurt and unable to play. However, what I don't understand is... Using that against him, or getting frustrated with that player specifically, these guys in the NFL—they do everything they can to be in the best physical condition possible to be on a field for 16 games. And you know, that's just, the reality is it's a violent sport, uh, and they play with far more aches and pains than I believe you and I would ever be willing to do uh, in this scenario. So, I, I just think that the Packers. In this, discuss, in this discussion about Jalen Ramsey, you have to keep that in mind, and I think that you know Kevin King's injury history is something that certainly could come into play should the Packers want to do this. The other thing about it is, Jair Alexander looked the part last season, certainly. Uh, he could certainly have a sophomore slump, and it's a... I don't think that's likely, but I mean, it's just possible that that could happen, Takes a long time. Cornerback is a tough position to play, but he certainly looks the part. Uh, Josh Jackson had some up and downs last year. It was his rookie season. He looked about more what a normal rookie cornerback should look like. A lot of people are saying, oh, move him to safety, move him to safety. To me, that that's ridiculous. He's never played safety in his career. Uh, the tackling thing that is brought up about it doesn't really matter that much to me, but Josh Jackson's a cornerback. Uh, He played cornerback in college. He was good at it. One season where they played him out of position and really didn't put him in a position to succeed in moving him to safety is ridiculous. However, you throw all this together now, and you look at a secondary that has Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander, and then Kevin King, Tremont Williams, Josh Jackson, Tony Brown. uh, Puts Tremont Williams really in a spot where he may not even have to play. Jalen Ramsey immediately becomes... uh, You can almost interchange Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander from outside and slot cornerback without much of a drop-off. And that position becomes a strength. And now you look at the rest of the defense. Now the secondary is a strength. And you can add in a... You know, the 30th overall pick is still in play. They could trade up if that were the case also. The 30th overall pick is still in play the The Smith brothers that they just signed, Adrian Amos, who they just signed. And they get organic growth from some of the other young players in this defense, like Kenny Clark, like Dean Lowry, like Montrevious Adams. Uh, maybe they add more more smaller level guys in free agency. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson comes to mind, although I don't necessarily think he needs to be a quote-unquote given in this situation. He can be a player that if after the draft, you're still not satisfied with your position group, you bring him back. Okay, cool. You do it that way then. Um, that's that's what I think I would do in that situation. But the other reality is, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, Brian Burns is on a, on a rookie contract and he could be a great player. Yeah, he could. And I think Brian Burns is one of the best players in this draft class. You know what the other reality is? Jalen Ramsey is a great player. Not could be, is. And he's a field tilter. How many field tilters do you think the Packers have on their roster at this point in time? I think you could say Aaron Rodgers is definitely someone who tilts the field in the Packers' favor. David Bakhtiari, but how much can a left tackle change the game? Um, enough. You know, he can He can certainly erase the other team's best pass rusher. Uh, so that that's certainly helpful. Uh, but otherwise, Devontae Adams is a great player. Field tilter on the offensive side of the ball. But you look at the defensive side of the ball. Jair Alexander could be... Uh, Kenny Clark is, but the problem with Kenny Clark is he's a great player at a position that just doesn't have that much value. And what I mean by that is he's a a run-stuffing defensive tackle with some pass rush potential. And he could certainly become a great pass rusher and make this conversation look really stupid. But the reality of that situation is in terms of a great defense, that's just not that important. So if you think about it, if Kenny Clark becomes a stud pass rusher, yes, absolutely important, absolutely a field tilter. Maybe Jair Alexander is a field tilter. But other than that, I don't know how many guys Green Bay has. You add in J- or Jalen Ramsey, bam, that problem is solved. Well, one of them at least. You have a field tilter. And then you still have, if you say it's you know the 12th overall pick for Jalen Ramsey, you still have 30, you still have 44, you still have 75. You still have draft capital to go get whatever player it is that you want. And I think Green Bay could do that. You know, Brian Gutekunst has said his buzzword is aggressive, and uh, he wants Green Bay to be aggressive and in on every conversation and doesn't pull the trigger. Now, you want me to ask me what the likelihood of this happening is, I would put it much closer to zero than I would anything else. It just doesn't make sense to me that the Jaguars would give you know, $80 million to Nick Foles a veteran quarterback they have a really good defense uh even with some of the defections and cap casualties that they had they have a really good defense right now with ramsey on it and he's one of the biggest reasons he is they're a team trying to compete for a super bowl in a division quite frankly not that good um you know indianapolis won the division last year they have andrew luck that probably has some staying power to it um i would imagine that does the tennessee titans we have no idea if they're any good. Marcus Mariota may or may not be very good. And that's possible that Mariota's not good. And if he's not good, then the Titans are not good, as as would lead you to believe. Um, the other team in the division is the Houston Texans who have Deshaun Watson. They've made the playoffs and pretty much gotten bombed each time they've gotten there. Now, that can change, uh, but they do have some players on their defense. You know, J.J. Watt, he's not old, but he's not young. Jadeveon Clowney just got paid, uh, the franchise tender. I'm sure they're looking to lock him up. DeAndre Hopkins, they have a good roster. Uh, but the Jaguars certainly, if Nick Foles can capture some of the magic that he had in Philadelphia, they can definitely make a run at that division. And once you're in the playoffs, if you're not New England, uh, in the AFC in my opinion, Kansas City's probably joined that conversation. But if you're not New England in my opinion, you got just as good a chance as anybody else uh, to play for that AFC title game. And then you just got to figure out a way to beat Tom Brady once. If you beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick once, you're playing for the Super Bowl. Um, and I, so I say all that to say I can't picture that the Jaguars would actually trade Jalen Ramsey. And if they did, there's some red flags that come up to it. Why would they trade a promising player in his prime? You know what? What went wrong there? What's the problem? Very similar to conversations we used to have about guys like Randy Moss, uh, like Terrell Owens, from the standpoint of, yeah, uh, those were great players, but there were also teams that decided that while those players were in their prime, they were better off without them. Uh, Now, that certainly isn't the end-all, be-all of anything. Maybe he would come to Green Bay and be a model citizen. I'm certainly willing to find out uh, if that is the case. So that rumor is interesting uh, to me again I would say it's highly unlikely but it's a fun discussion and we're kind of in that dead period now we're 20 what 24 days away 25 days away from the NFL draft so we're kind of starting to get into the nitty-gritty here of you know fewer and fewer things to talk about because speculation is becoming closer to reality as we get towards the end of this month here so that's interesting if nothing else something to monitor again I wouldn't I wouldn't waste too much time getting worked up over it because I just can't picture it happening another one uh from you know rumor central if you will this the same thing that Andy shared was the prospect of someone like Dwayne Haskins dropping in this year's draft which is interesting to me just because Kyler Murray is going number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals I think that's pretty well set in stone um so with that being the case, you would think that that would push the other quarterbacks, the guys like Dwayne Haskins, and Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones, and whoever else up the board, because now there's one less, you know one less slot for a team to pick a quarterback. Uh, you got to go further up to get your guy. Haskins to me is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Um, I think that he has shown the ability to make all the NFL throws, uh, even despite what. Talking heads on ESPN would tell you uh, Dwayne Haskins is not a runner. He stood in the pocket and threw the ball. Actually, oddly enough, one of the complaints, if you will, that Buckeye fans had about their offense was that it didn't look the same with Dwayne Haskins because he couldn't run like JT Barrett or to some degree Cardell Jones or many of the players uh, that came before them in Urban Meyer's offense. So with that in mind... The discussion seems to come up every year on whether or not Green Bay should pick a quarterback if they were to sit there and do the Aaron Rodgers thing with the new guy sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. And the answer to that question is absolutely not. No, never. You can't give up draft capital and assets for someone that you hope never plays. Here's the reality of the situation, guys. Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback for the next four seasons. Barring an unexpected retirement or a career-ending injury, neither one of those things are something the Packers or Rodgers can expect to happen. So that means you're going to pick that quarterback, and the earliest that he could play for you is on a fifth-year option, which isn't expensive, but it's not cheap either. And it's a one-year audition for... Hoping that maybe you found a franchise quarterback that way? No. Green Bay is not in the market. Uh, Not for someone like that. Not yet. That includes Josh Rosen. That includes Dwayne Haskins. That includes Drew Locke. That includes whoever. Uh, Everybody. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. But we have a general consensus as a fan base that we always want to be ready for tomorrow also. And I understand that. Uh, Being ready for tomorrow is how the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers to some degree. But... The Packers also have to maximize their opportunities to win now. Aaron Rodgers has said several times he hopes to play into his 40s. Uh, Matt LaFleur's hire has an eye on that, trying to get Rodgers to play more within, within the system, within his abilities, within the pocket, taking fewer hits, all that sort of stuff. That is something that the Packers and Rodgers very clearly plan on doing is playing until at least he's 40, which is what I believe he will be at the end of his contract. So As much, And I do like Dwayne Haskins. I do think he's the best quarterback in this class. I think a team that picks him, and if he's in the right situation, he can be successful. That situation's not in Green Bay. Uh, And the same goes, like I mentioned, for Josh Rosen, who I really liked in last year's draft class. Everybody, maybe not everybody, but it seems like the Favre fans are so willing to just push Rodgers out the door. They want the same thing to happen to him that happened to Favre. And it's it's asinine the situations aren't remotely comparable far flirted with retirement every single year and never really committed to the team later in his career so i i don't want this conversation to ever happen again basically uh the packers the soonest in my eye that you can pick a quarterback is two draft classes from now so not this year, not next year, but the year after that, unless they bomb out and can draft Trevor Lawrence, in which case you have to think long and hard about that, in my opinion. But that would be two draft classes from now. So I uh, I, I don't want this conversation to take place, um, and that leads into another conversation because one of the reasons teams want to or fans, excuse me, want the team to look at maybe a quarterback is because they're not happy with Deshaun Kaiser, and I understand that. Uh, I was higher on Kaiser than a lot of people coming into that draft class. It appears that I was wrong, and that happens every once in a blue moon. I miss on guys. Um, Kaiser did not look good last year. He had some moments, but those moments were few and far between uh, what really was just putrid quarterback play. He had a chance to play about three full quarters against Detroit. Couldn't even get them a field goal. Turned the ball over a couple times. Turned the ball over in... The four minutes that they played him against Chicago basically gift wrapped the Bears ten points minus three for Green Bay by fumbling in field goal range and seven on a pick six where he threw the ball right into Cleo lap. Um, so Kaiser, I, I think it's safe to say is not very not very good at least at this point. Uh, it's possible that he develops, but I. I I don't think so. Uh, That that ship may very well have sailed. He's going to be in his third offensive system in three years, and players like that just really tend to struggle to succeed. However, to discuss the backup quarterback thing, and I get it. In Green Bay, you know, the last two years when we've seen Aaron Rodgers go down, the offense has been completely inept. Brett Hundley was not good. Deshaun Kaiser was worse. Um, But the other thing I, I often talk about when this conversation comes up is A lot of teams, the vast majority of teams, actually I would probably argue maybe only three or four teams, their backup quarterback sucks, and he's the backup for the reason. And the reason is he's not very good. You know, the line that I I tweeted out a while back about investing, you know, somebody wanted uh, the Packers to, you know, go after Teddy Bridgewater and make him their backup and pay him like $7 million, I think is what he ended up getting from New Orleans. I just don't think that's a worthwhile investment because you hope he never plays and you're paying $6 million. It's basically $6 million in sunken cap and Bridgewater. We have no idea what that guy is. I don't understand how everybody can just assume that this guy is this great player. I liked him coming out of the draft. I get that. And I know that confirmation bias can be a thing in terms of players you like in the draft, but Teddy Bridgewater has not played meaningful football. In three full years. because Well, I take that back. He played one regular season game. And it was a Week 17 game against Carolina where the Saints were playing for nothing, so they threw Bridgewater out there to keep Drew Brees fresh. And, I mean, he didn't light the world on fire. He didn't light the world on fire his last year as a starter in Minnesota. The Vikings were a very good roster. Bridgewater managed the games very well. They had a chance to win a playoff game, but it's not like Teddy Bridgewater won that playoff game for them by lighting up the Seahawks. He made a couple throws. Okay, awesome. I say all that to go back to, you know, the quote they ask about. You know, the Indianapolis Colts. Tom Moore, the offensive coordinator, was asked one day why Jim Sorgi wasn't given, you know, more practice reps in, in the event that Peyton Manning was injured, and his response was. If 18 goes down, we are bleeped, and we don't practice bleeped. That's just the reality of the situation. Now, do I think that the Packers should be interested in trying to find a backup quarterback that doesn't let the entire house of cards collapse on them when Rodgers is out? Yes, I I understand that. However, if Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for 8 to 10 weeks, the season is over that's just the reality of the situation. The season is over. The Packers are not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to contend for a Super Bowl. They're not going to do anything. What do they need? They need somebody like Matt Flynn. And I don't mean him specifically, but that example of 2013 where the Packers, some of it was luck and the ineptness of the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions to allow the Packers to stay in that race. And to some degree, the Vikings too, to allow Matt Flynn to lead him back to a tie. But Matt Flynn is the example I give because that team stayed afloat. They won in just enough games. They weren't great. They lost a lot of games too. That they, I mean, they were blown out in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day that year, for example. Um, they lost to the Giants. There's just they did enough to keep things afloat. So if Rogers has to miss four games, you want a backup that can get you two and two. Can Deshaun Kaiser get you two and two? I don't know. I don't think so. Um. So the Packers, can they find somebody else? Sure. But, I mean, I'm talking like a fourth-round pick at the absolute earliest for this year and probably later. But investing a money or high-draft asset into backup quarterback, that was the biggest problem I had with the DeMarius Randle trade. You guys can look back and listen to anything I've said since then. They traded Demarius Randall, which was still the right move in my opinion. It's pretty clear the locker room was sick of him, didn't want him around anymore, for somebody they hoped never played. They hope Deshaun Kaiser never played. Demarius Randall, at least, well, in Cleveland, he gave them Pro Bowl level safety play. In Green Bay, he at least gave them snaps as a slot corner and sometimes an outside corner. And at times, he was pretty good at it. Didn't end up working out that way. But at times, he was at least pretty good at it. So, that was the biggest problem. Now you're asking me to do the same exact thing, except with a draft pick or... Salary cap space and premium salary cap space. I mean, two million, three million bucks. Sure, you want to do it that way? That's fine. Six or seven for a guy like Bridgewater, or one of those high-level, if you will, backup quarterbacks. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Um, let's move forward a little bit. I had two stories drop today. I'm the one of the newest members of the Dairyland Express page at FanSided, writing about the Packers mostly. Might throw some Bucks, Badgers, Brewers stuff. In there every now and again, but the Packers are the reason I'm going to be there. So I had two stories drop uh, yesterday. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday. Players to pick at 12 and players to pick at 30, uh, and they're certainly not the only players to pick at those positions. But I just want to go through some of my reasoning with it, kind of go through the story with you guys for a little bit. Uh, the first guy uh, that I talked about, I've talked about Brian Burns. I've talked about him a lot. I still think that even though you know the Packers spent a lot of money on their pass rush. Uh, this is a guy who could step in. Kyler Fackrell is a free agent at the end of the year. I can't imagine he gets a contract. I uh, I can't imagine that he's going to be around for the long-term future. Reggie Gilbert's just a guy. Kendall Donerson has proven nothing and didn't really play any snaps last year, so we don't know anything about him. Packers could use guy, maybe not necessarily a, a starter, like a day-one starter, but somebody like that, I think that's worth the 12th overall pick, especially when Zadarius Smith may very well be a better inside player uh, than he is an outside edge rusher off an offensive tackle. If you guys listen to the War Room podcast on PackersTalk.net, you'll hear Justice Mosqueda of Optimum Scouting talk about that. Ross Uglum, myself, and Cody Bauer talk about those things as well. Um, Absolutely, in my opinion, worth the 12 overall pick. I talked about Ed Oliver with Owen Reese last week with you, so I don't want to spend too much time on that, but build a strength. He's a blue chip player, blue chip prospect. Throw him next to Kenny Clark and let's go eat the quarterback. The other name I threw in there was Noah Fan. If the Packers are going to pick an offensive player at 12, I, I don't love anybody that high necessarily from a positional value standpoint and all that stuff. Um, so what I mean by that basically is there's no wide receiver. That reminds me of Julio Jones. Uh, there's no wide receiver that is like A.J. Green or Amari Cooper. D.K. Metcalf is a lot of people's top receivers on their board. I don't think Green Bay is going to draft him. He has a history of a neck injury. The Packers medical staff is notoriously conservative. And then you throw in the fact that his agility drills were not very good. The Packers really do tend to value that uh, with their wide receivers. But if I'm picking an offensive player at 12 overall, again, it's not an offensive lineman because of the stuff I mentioned earlier about putting a guy in that you hope doesn't play. Uh, It's Noah Fant. And I've been... Very upfront about this since this process started. Uh, For those of you that haven't ordered the t TV draft guide, go ahead and look at it, but I'm going to give you a preview right here. Uh, Noah Fant is my tight end one. Uh, I think he's a superior athlete to TJ Hawkinson, and none of these things are meant to be a slight to TJ Hawkinson. I really like him as well. Uh, I think he's going to be a great player in the NFL, but I think that some of the slights on Fant are starting to get a little ridiculous because the big thing is, oh, he can't block. No, that's not true. Fant is a... I would call him an average blocker, but he doesn't block like TJ Hawkinson, so by comparison, he looks like a worse blocker on tape because he's not a sixth offensive tackle in the way that Hawkinson is. But he's a better downhill, a downfield athlete in my opinion has higher upside if you think like Jimmy Graham in his prime as a wide receiver or as a pass catcher, I should say, down the field. That's what I envision when I see Fan, and I think he would fit like a glove. In Green Bay's offense, he would have a chance to learn how to block from Mercedes Lewis, refine his technique there, learn the tricks of the trade from Jimmy Graham for a year, which reminds me of that Scouts podcast that I tweeted about a while back. I listened to it. It's Dave T. Thomas. Certainly, I've worked with him indirectly before uh, with Packer Report when I was an intern there. And he's a really smart guy. He's really plugged in. But he was talking about how Green Bay and New England could sync up for a trade for Jimmy Graham. You can check my Twitter timeline. That doesn't pass the smell test for me. Uh, I just can't see, unless if New England's going to give like a third or maybe one of their fourths or something like that, maybe. But when he says mid-round draft pick, I'm thinking more like a fifth or a sixth. Can't see that being worth it for Green Bay, even if they do pick a guy like Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson at 12. Um, So those are my three guys at 12 that I talked about. Uh, if if, If I were to have it in an ideal way, the... Packers wouldn't take TJ Hawkinson until like the twenties and I would be okay with them trading up from 30 to get him. And that's okay. Um, because I, I think that he is a good player. Um, I just, I just am not comfortable with his upside at 12. It's kind of the same reason. Not quite the best comparison because Hawkinson and Fant are comparable athletes. Uh, Fant's just a little bit better in this regard. But kind of the same reason, you know, Cleveland Farrell isn't a top 15 pick or probably won't get picked in the top 15 because the out-of-this-world athleticism just isn't there. Uh, Hawkinson is a very good player. it Could even be an all-pro. And I, I hate doing this because... When you stand for one guy, it almost sounds like you have to discredit the other guy, and the reality is, I like both guys. I'm ecstatic if either player ends up being a Green Bay Packer. Uh, I just like Fanta a little bit more. Uh, pick number thirty is uh, the next one that I talked about today, and I had, um, you know, I had a a couple guys in here. Uh, it's an interesting group I have. I talked about Dalton Reisner. Um, Basically, what I said about him was, think Cody Whitehair from 2015, but better. Uh, Whitehair was flexible and able to play kind of all around the offensive line, but Dalton Reisner actually has a chance to be a starting tackle in this league, which is something Whitehair never really had. If Green Bay is going to go offensive line at that pick, what I do hope is, and I've talked about this before, keep him where he's at. Okay, So what I mean by that is, if he comes in and you want him to be the right tackle of the future behind Brian Bulaga, cool, don't start him at guard his rookie season and then move him over. Now, injuries and all that stuff take their toll. You do what you have to do, but ultimately he should be able to focus on that position. The offensive player I talked about, uh, well, the skill position player I talked about was A.J. Brown. You know, he's kind of overshadowed by D.K. Metcalf. Uh, He blew up the combine, but A.J. Brown, the comparison has been made recently to Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think that is absolutely appropriate. Uh, He has the ability to play outside. He can play inside. Uh, I think that you know the Packers have talked about wanting to become bigger and more explosive in the slot position. I think Brown has the ability to do those things for them. I think he could step in next year and catch 45 balls for like 500 yards and a couple touchdowns, something like that. Um, and I, I don't mind it at all. I think you know I've talked about the receiver position. I think the receiver position is a need uh, to some degree. The Packers have Devonte Adams, who's great, and then after that. Dudes that have proven to be nothing more than wide receiver fours. Now, could MVS or EQ or somebody like that be more than that? Sure. Uh, Geronimo Allison's a fine player in his own right. A, in my opinion, upgradable commodity. Uh, Green Bay signed him to a one-year deal. They clearly aren't all in on Geronimo Allison either. So that's something to keep in mind. The, The other guy I talked about, At the end, and maybe a small surprise, I don't know. I don't know what exactly is being projected of this guy, but I've talked about it on Twitter before. I'm a Chase Winovich fan account. Uh, Green Bay could take him at 30. I wouldn't bat an eye. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I think that he gets the high motor uh, reputation, and that's ridiculous uh, because that is typically given to somebody who's not that talented. Winovich had a big-time combine. I have him as the best edge rusher after... Uh, your guys like Burns, Sweat, Farrell, Bosa, those guys. Um, I would probably place him at six uh, ahead of Ja'Kai Polite just because Ja'Kai Polite has had maybe the worst combine pre-draft process that I can ever remember. And it's unfortunate because he's had first-round tape. You know, He's a first-round player if you just watch the film, but everything else is brutal, and I think it's a fair question. If I'm the Packers, I am having a top-30 visit with Ja'Kai Polite because I want to get to know what's going on with this guy. What makes you tick? What makes you go? Because you have a excellent skill set on tape. Why did you stink up the combine? Why were you out of shape at your pro day? What happened? You know. And then the question becomes, are you going to still be motivated to play football once you sign that check? And I think that's a fair question at this point because I look at the combine and the pre-draft process that's less of a you know a a final stamp of approval or something like so much as it is a job interview you know are you willing to prepare and do those things necessary to be a top level player at the combine and then in the NFL you know Brian Burns is a very good example put on 20 plus pounds ran fast was quick in the agility drills he was he aced it aced the combine I think that's an option uh, or something that you have to think about when talking about those things but Winovich i would pick him 30th i wouldn't bat an eye i think it's somebody who could have 10 sacks in a season um and if you do that like my counterpart ross said on you know war room that's worth the 30th overall pick so those are my guys there that's going to do it for this edition Uh, be sure to check out pack a day podcast on your podcast app give us a subscription give us a rating we like those ratings to have five stars leave us a review tell me you know who's doing good uh if we're all doing good, what can we what can we improve upon? I'm sure everybody wants to you know know those things. Constructive feedback, keep it a little mature. That's all I ask. You know, uh, as much as possible, at least. But thank you guys for listening to the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. We're running out of time for the pre order. You're going to want to do that. It's going to hit the newsstands here relatively quickly. It'll be done before the draft. Some really talented people, uh, and going through prospects of this year's NFL Draft. A lot of people that you listen to on this show alone. So be sure to check that out. Thank you guys for listening, and as always, go, pack, go. Third
0: and six, trailing 30-23, to 23, two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A-gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking, throws left side of the, the end zone. Here yes. yes. touchdown, yes. Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16 yard touchdown pass. The Packers, an extra point away from getting this game tied. Befford on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Befford looking. as he throws it deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine yard line of Green Bay. Santa Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the tackle. Nice the 30 out Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame, tumbled out of bounds, inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side, to the yes. face, got it, out of bounds, inside the 10-yard line! My goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. And it's good. good. Yes. Yes. good. Yes. Yes. Mason delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.